0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and a psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. She said, pardon me, while well, I
1: go into the kitchen and fuck the chicken. Yeah! He looked around at his buddy and said, Shit, if this gonna be that kind of party, I'm gonna stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm David Pizarro from Cornell University. Tamler, in the movie we're going to discuss, there's this great quote. I mean, I think it's the quote of the movie where they're discussing a publisher who only prints philosophy books. And the philosophy books are described as having small print, big words, and no sales. So I know you're working on on a new book. Is this what we can expect? No, I think it's going to have at least medium-sized print. Like big, big print for for your demographic, like the the older the older <laughs> listeners. Can you pick the font? Yeah. <laughs>
0: One of those for old people, you know, that, the, the people who listen to you. Then it can be shorter,
2: like when you when you turn in a paper in junior high and you really need to cover the page limit, and you just, just make the font a little bigger and put that, the very. It's not end just junior high; <laughs> that
0: also happens in college. I have to like instruct my students that I'm not an idiot.
2: So yeah, that quote was from a movie because this is a movie episode. Surprisingly, um, and surprisingly. Uh, I picked the movie, and unsurprisingly, because he's been with us for every movie episode, we have Yoel Imbar from the University of Toronto.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Do you remember how I became the movie person? it wasn't no, on the basis of I expertise because I I don't really know I, anything about
2: movies. I yeah I, well I feel like maybe I brought you along as you, moral support. But but here yeah I, no, am, I mean yeah, but you did. I, I am, think
0: like, it was just that you. were It's not like we had the idea of doing a series of movie episodes all featuring Yoel. It was it was <laughs> no. that like we did Unforgiven, and having just listened to it again because I was teaching it in a class, like it was good. It was a good episode, and you were good, and it was like. But it's still a trial. Then we did, I mean, uh, if this one sucks, yeah. then you're out.
2: Right, right. It's always professional. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too comfortable. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. com- we'll try and keep up the streak. I mean, if anybody can go through that other horrible movie with us, I think that you've earned at least – you've at least earned a couple of buys like where you have to – Wait, uh, you know, like are you talking you're about Straw Dogs or which – I've just – i asked, I've suppressed the name. <laughs> of, of the,
0: That's a great movie <laughs> and it's still a – Probably one of the big disappointments in my life that you continue <laughs> not to appreciate it. Yeah. So today we're doing a movie Rope that David actually. This is the first time that David has suggested a movie, and and we agreed. Before we get to 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 why David wanted to do this movie, we want to thank you all very much for your support. In particular, all of you, and there were many of you. There were hundreds of you that bought T-shirts. We really appreciate that. I hope you enjoy the T-shirts. They should be coming about when this releases. You should start to expect to be getting your T-shirt. You can still, if if like 20 more people or something order T-shirts, right, they'll start sending them out again. So it's not technically over, but it's over that you'll be guaranteed, I guess, a
2: T-shirt. Right. It works like a, like a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it was funded. The, the buying period closed. But if they get enough demand, I think we, as of recording, we, if 20 more people say they want a t shirt, they'll print another run. Right. And, and so, so, so
3: be- could I go to the website right now and order a t shirt or no?
2: E- you could teespring. dot com slash very bad wizards, and we also have a link on our webpage VeryBadWizards.com. and and you could try to order a t shirt if oh, you, you just to want order, to get right? like have to, but you would right. st- you would obviously get charged if if
0: uh, they don't <laughs> no, right. um, or you can wait till our next t shirt drive, which we'll probably <laughs> do.
2: I don't know, like six months, nine months which will be a pink version uh, because Tamler said he wanted one for the ladies. Well, my uh, daughter, right. ha- and it
0: had to be pink, King, my daughter <laughs> a, e- a long email to us about that. If you'll recall, <laughs> maybe we'll read that on another. So you can support us by going to our support page, clicking on the Amazon link. Um, and you can also donate directly via PayPal. We really appreciate both. And then uh, like us on Facebook. You can tweet us at peas at Tamler at very bad wizards, and rate us on iTunes, and you can email us at verybadwizards at gmail We've been getting a lot of emails, and I swear to God, I, I people start have been doubting us, but we really do read all of them. And Dave, we, we just got a great we've even one. Responded so. to some, yeah, yeah.
2: We, you yeah. got a great one just yet? Yeah, just last night, um, that I that I wanted to read. Uh, uh, and by the well, uh, by the way, since we're tweeting, Yoel, you're at Y O R L. Yep. At your uh, on Twitter. So if he, if he says anything um, that you find offensive or brilliant, please get in touch. Uh, are you Bill live Freed. tweeting this episode, Yoel? <laughs> yes. I am. It's like just gets in a bunch of unfollows. I'm also streaming
3: <laughs> it on Periscope. <laughs> Only my that's the
2: just the just one source of audio. Yeah, that's
3: right. It's that's just me talking silence. to my computer.
2: Tambler looks confused about what we're talking about. Is uh, that like MySpace?
0: It's, like <laughs> it's My exactly face. like MySpace.
3: <laughs> maybe, this is, maybe we don't want to get into this right now.
2: So we got this uh, wonderful email from Anne Lalonde, who is an a attorney. And she works on trademarks and she just happened to listen to our, one of our episodes, the episode on slurs and offensiveness. And she wrote in to tell us about some sort of interesting features of trademark and patent law. And it turns out that your the United States prohibits people from registering trademarks that consist of immoral, deceptive or scandalous matter. Uh, or trademarks that quote may disparage persons living or dead institutions beliefs or national symbols or bring them into contempt or disrepute you might imagine that it's hard to determine what fits into that <laughs> she gave us a list of trademarks that have been found scandalous and the, that have not been found scandalous <laughs> it's just a very entertaining <laughs> list Let's play a game. Yoel, don't look, and I'm going to read a
0: couple, and you tell me whether you think it's banned or not banned. Found to be scandalous or immoral or not. Okay. Yeah. Twatty girl.
3: Clearly scandalous or immoral.
0: You're 0 for 1. That was trademarked. Not found to be scandalous.
2: (laughs) It's a cartoon strip. Okay, next. Cumbrella. Cumbrella? Cumbrella. No,
3: clearly. Clearly scandalous or immoral.
2: Wrong. Uh, it's, a, it's, a condom, it's a condom brand, and no. It's not scandalous uh, or immoral. Madonna. Just Madonna?
0: Yeah. I, I would allow that. No, that was deemed scandalous. Well, uh, I'm like anti-correlated. Yeah, uh, you're – uh, like, I, I think you, I you haven't gotten chance. a single one right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, the Bearded Clam.
3: <laughs> Wait, what's the yeah, what's the, the name p- of
0: the bar? What's what's the it's
2: product? a restaurant?
3: All right, I I would deny that.
2: You would I okay, would deny that.
0: You finally got one right. That about time?
2: The, the, isn't that the name of the bar in in Family Guy?
0: Is it? I don't I I don't know. I
2: think so. So this just I think goes to show that um, the law is not intuitive. Okay, last one. <laughs> yeah.
0: You come like a girl. <laughs> Clothing. <laughs>
3: Uh, i I not allowed. Not allowed.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, that was yeah, kind of okay. easy. <laughs> okay. uh, I just want to know who, uh,
2: who thought that that would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I wish. Like, I wish. Right? Jeez. Yeah. Like, yeah. So th- thank you very much, uh, Ms. Lalonde. That was a great, great email. And uh, she was actually a philosophy major, so hence her interest in porn. Clearly, if you were to listen to us as a philosophy podcast that we are, you would rightfully conclude that all philosophers must be deeply interested in. Prayer. So,
0: yeah, sorry. Are you, are you done with that thought? I, I wanted. To, I wanted to fade out, <laughs> slow fade on that. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about rope. And why don't we start since this was your idea? Not to throw you under the bus. Why? Why did? Why did yeah. you? Uh,
3: want to do it. Wait,
2: did, did we already so, say what the movie was? So he, he sort, of, sort of swallowed it. Yeah, a Rope, little bit. We picked Rope <laughs> Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. 1948. It's a movie based on a, a, a play. Every once in a while I get on a kick. We've talked uh, about the, the film noir kick that Tambler that inspired in me. There were movies that I just hadn't seen. The other thing is, I I tend to not like movies based on plays. I mean, maybe Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is is a huge exception, but even that, the pacing of I I don't, I often just don't think it translates well. So much of what I like about Hitchcock is you think about uh, North by Northwest, these crop duster scene, for instance, the way that he creates suspense. It feels to me is just really cinema and not stage, and I think that he was trying, and I think he successfully to create that suspense in this movie. But really, the real reason is I think it, it offered some a good fodder to discuss what I think is an interesting case, maybe one of the only cases in which somebody's purported philosophy actually led them to action, <laughs> <laughs> where you actually have a philosophy that is espoused by someone that causes them to commit um,
0: a yeah, so let's there. give a little background. Even if you haven't seen the movie— you're probably familiar with the Leopold and Loeb case. This movie is based on a, a real event that happened in uh, 1924. The Leopold and Loeb, they murdered a young schoolmate and, were, and they were caught and they were tried. And at the trial, it came out that they had been inspired by their reading of Nietzsche's philosophy.
2: Well, you hadn't
3: seen it. Mm, no. Uh, we, we, no. Right. And I, so, uh, I I, also like Hitchcock. And I thought of it as kind of like, you know, if somebody asks you what your favorite Hitchcock movie is and you say Vertigo, that's sort of obvious. But if you're like a real hipster, then you say Rope. So it's sort of – Yeah, larger. that's right. I, that's right. It, they,
2: because they are kind of
3: hipsters. Yeah, they are. They're totally proto-hipsters. <laughs> so, um, uh, So, yeah, do we want to get uh, into what actually happens in the film or
0: – So the movie starts out – um, after an establishing shot and the, the Hitchcock cameo, it, the movie just starts out, two men are choking another younger man. And then they put him in this trunk to store him after they've killed him. Right from the get-go, you can see that one of them, a character named Brandon, is very kind of excited by what they're doing. He's clearly the ringleader, at least in the movie. And again, I I think this is modeled to some extent on Leopold. The ideology of the murder, the impetus for the murder seems to come from him with the other boy played by Farley Granger. right? Yeah, Philip. Yeah. They... um, it sort of comes out that they're they 're doing this to show their their superiority to conventional morality the laws and norms like don 't kill people those are only there for the for the common person, not for the privileged <laughs> few and They right, take right. this as an understanding of nietzsche 's idea of the ubermensch, but it 's clear that they were inspired by who who will later be Jimmy Stewart, an old instructor of theirs at prep school who taught the philosophy of Friedrich nietzsche there,
2: there is something that we didn't say which is one of the reasons that this movie is so well known is is the style in which it's shot which is appears to be one continuous take i don't know if he was the, i mean there had been other long takes but i don't know if anybody had attempted to make an m- entire movie look like one long take I, yeah um, you know what i don't I, I don't think so it hasn't been done that much since
0: birdman was shot to I mean, look like, that way, and actually, although I think some people dismiss it as a gimmick, having seen it i don't know about fifteen years ago and just watched it again last night, I found that it
2: was v- really effective like, I, yeah and i i think you know the constraint was that you there was only you could only fit ten minutes of film in a camera he had to find creative ways around around this constraint, and so what he what he did was, rather than use traditional edits, he he would zoom in to say the back of a character. So okay, so they murder. The opening shot is they're murdering a guy, which is I I think one one of the things I want to say was that it's interesting in that that this is this is not tension building up to a murder. The murder is the first scene, and it's very very close shot. It's it's almost intimate the the three the three guys and the one in the middle with the rope around his neck and they decide in celebration they have a party they, they and in the party they invite the family of the murdered kid uh, they invite his his parents his father shows up they invite their old schoolmaster who espoused this philosophy they invite a the the murdered kid's girlfriend. The girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, and this is all Brandon. Brandon. This is all, this Brandon, is all Brandon, Brandon
0: setting this up. Philip clearly had he, did, he had no knowledge of that. The old schoolmaster Jimmy Stewart's coming, and and no real interest in exposing themselves in this way just to make it seem more like a work of art.
2: It's, it is. It's a work of art, and he's he's throwing it in the face of everybody. Yeah. Um, so he also
3: so, invites the the murderee. David, is uh, supposed right, to be david that's right <laughs> so that everybody, right. So everybody's waiting like well where's david it's not like him to be late that's i'm i'm getting right. a little worried about him i wonder whether he's all right it is uh kind of brilliantly sadistic
2: and so this gets to one of the key plot points that you already mentioned Tamler. they put the murdered kid in the in a trunk uh so one of those old just storage trunks that's in the in the living room they essentially put it on display and so they even make the main table rather than being the dining room table they set they put a tablecloth over the trunk and they set that as the centerpiece where the food is served and that trunk is in many of the shots in the foreground
0: and often you'll just I mean this is what the single take often the camera will be focused on the trunk and the characters will be having conversations but they'll be off camera
2: the the you all you pointed out when we were talking uh, before how how you know, there's this enormous tension because you don't want the body to be found. Mm -hmm. But unlike other movies, you're not, you don't find yourself rooting for the, killers but you nonetheless like it's
3: you know right i find myself having to remind myself that these are bad guys they you know their crime should be discovered and obviously the whole movie the they're they're going to be found out you know what's going to happen in a way nonetheless it's there's these incredibly tense moments like where the housekeeper is actually she actually starts to open the trunk in order to put something in there Brandon stops her, right? He's like, no, 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 you can do that later.
0: And it's interesting because they're not likable. They're not sympathetic. So I wonder what it is, therefore, that makes you still not want the body to be discovered. Is it like the
2: discomfort of it? Yeah, I I think that what's happening, at least if I try to introspect to the extent that's successful, is that uh, I am trying to protect the other characters from finding the body because I I think that I, I... I have some sense that it would be disastrous for whoever comes upon the body. Uh, like, if the maid found it, then they would have to probably kill her. So maybe that's why. Maybe. It's, it's, and they build, Hitchcock does build, it's a huge investment in building this tension. And one of the early scenes that, that shows the difference between Brandon, the ringleader, and Philip, who I guess, and we'll, we can talk about this, but I guess is, is not so subtly his his lover well subtly in the
0: sense that it's never referred never explicitly never explicitly yeah
3: okay so they don't tell it to you explicitly but it's like two men who live in the same apartment and vacation together it's
2: yeah, they're gonna go on vacation <laughs> right? together. It's like based on ban, two ban,
0: people ban that ban. were that that were clearly gay and were having an affair with each other. So yeah.
2: And in fact in fact the, the two actors themselves right, right. were gay. As was the um, screenwriter, right? You just, so it's hiding in plain sight in maybe in nineteen forty eight. And what's funny is that this is, was actually banned in some theaters or you know, some theaters refused to show it because of not because of the murder, because it was gay. Um, and they couldn't even talk about
0: the, it on the set. The, I, I saw a documentary of, of with the screenwriter, and it said they couldn't refer to it explicitly on the set for, I guess, legal reasons. They, they would just refer <laughs> it, to it. <laughs> their homosexuality as "it."
2: It is the <laughs> elephant in the room. It's it's like <laughs> the other right. trunk. So there's uh, there's this great scene that sets the stage for the different attitudes. I mean, it already opens with Brandon clearly being confident and celebratory, uh, whereas Philip is. Almost immediately regrets the action, uh, and there's this scene where you see it's in the trunk that the rope that they used to strangle the kid is actually hanging out of the trunk, right? So it's exposed, and uh, Philip, the the weaker one, let's call him, notices this, freaks out, and and Brandon just sort of nonchalantly pulls it, and and then there's a great scene where you see him putting it in a kitchen drawer. Um, as as the as the door yeah. swings, you see him just yeah. kind okay. so right, yeah. on the door. And Brandon here is right. Brandon here is is right. Oftentimes about how none of this does matters that much because who who would think that a, a rope is, has just been used right. for murder? But he has like the the sort of the balls to later on use that same rope to tie up a, a set of for books the for these, to the, giving he's giving to, to the father of the kid for the father that he of murdered. The murder yeah. kid.
0: I mean, in a sense, he's right. Well, uh, let's get... I think there's an interesting scene when... I think this is a sort of key scene in the movie. All the guests have been assembled, and Jimmy Stewart, who is their old professor, playfully, he's trying to be the kind of the witty, sophisticated man at the party.
1: Personally, I think a chicken is as good a reason for murder as a blonde, a mattress full of dollar bills, or any of the customary, unimaginative reasons. Well, now, you don't really approve of murder, Rupert. If I may. You may, and I do. Think of the problems it would solve. Unemployment, poverty, standing in line for theater tickets. I must say I've had a perfectly dreadful time getting tickets for that new musical. My dear Miss Atwater, careful application of the trigger finger and a pair of seats in the first row is yours for the shooting. <laughs> Rupert, you're the end
0: in the play that it was based on the, the teacher was supposed to be based on Oscar Wilde so he's just supposed to be clever and witty all the guests are sort of appreciating that except for the father of David meanwhile Brandon, there's more of an edge to his participation in this game you're
1: not serious about these theories. of course he is oh, you're both pulling my leg no, why do you think that? Well, Brandon, the notion that murder is an art which a few superior beings should be allowed to practice. In season. (laughs) Then may I ask, who is to decide that a human being is inferior and is therefore a suitable victim for murder? The few who are privileged to commit murder. And just who might they be? Oh, myself. Philip. Possibly Rupert. Hmm. I'm sorry, Kenneth, you're out. (laughs) Gentlemen, I'm serious. So are we, Mr. Catley. The few are those men of such intellectual and cultural superiority that they're above the traditional moral concepts. Good and evil, right and wrong, were invented for the ordinary, average man, the inferior man, because he needs them. Then obviously you agree with Nietzsche in his theory of the Superman. Yes, I do. But in any case, I'd rather not hear any more of your, forgive me, contempt for humanity. For the standards of a world that I believe is civilized. Well, I'm sure Rupert, fortunately, oh, not gentlemen, has really? the intelligence I, and imagination. Yes, Brandon, I think we've had just about enough.
2: You need, so you need the schoolmaster to come and actually explicitly espouse the philosophy that affected, that influenced Brandon. And you know, Brandon here is just drinking it. He's eating it up. And he's loving this. This is exactly somebody who could appreciate what and they've just done. And he's still clearly done. trying to impress
0: his old teacher i mean you know
2: that's the one time he he gets really
0: nervous when jimmy stewart first comes over and he's just like a kid that needs approval from like a distant father or something like that you know right clearly this is the thing that's ultimately their downfall is he wants it's not fun it doesn't work unless somebody knows how brilliant he was and this is the guy he wants to know he almost needs to be caught for someone yeah. to appreciate it. And, so but I think is, he wants this person to appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: This is the part of the movie that, that worked less well for me.
2: And it's just weird to see the guy from It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. He's talking about killing people with knives. And, and then he says, "But there's uh, there's some people who don't even deserve death by the knife. They deserve death by slow torture. And he says, bird lovers, small children. And tap dancers—that's—it just wasn't funny the way yeah, that he it's, said it's it. Also, like, be, it's
3: also that maybe that may be something that just hasn't aged well. Maybe at the time <laughs> those were hilarious <laughs> <laughs> references.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile,
0: Brandon gets into the philosophy of it. He says right and wrong are just for conventional, dumb human beings. You know, there are this privileged, superior few who can rise above that, and that's what gives them the right. To
2: kill people. Definitely consider themselves superior. and Brandon clearly considers Rupert, the schoolmaster, the James Stewart character, as one of his, his equals. And so, you know.
0: And even Rupert, Brandon says at the beginning of the movie that he's brilliant. He respects him intellectually, uh, maybe even as his superior. But he's fastidious. He might lack the courage.
2: All right. These are men of will. Men of, they're men of will. The whole time. Uh, this is the other source of tension. The whole time Philip is just freaking out. He's just freaking the fuck out. It's almost like the telltale heart, right? He thinks everybody must be totally noticing yeah. um, every little cue that Brandon is just so nonchalantly yeah. presenting.
3: And he's also drinking heavily, which
2: doesn't yeah. help. The whole conversation about chicken strangling just cracked oh, Chicken up. strangling. I, I think this was unintentional. Yeah. As I <laughs> recall, <laughs> comic relief. you're quite a good chicken
1: strangler, aren't you? <laughs> That's a lie. I never strangled
2: a chicken in my life. <laughs> <You're quite, laughs> yeah, there's a whole conversation where where yeah. they talk about, about having this one incident in, in Philip's childhood, you know, killing chickens to eat.
1: That's
3: a
2: lie. I never strangled a chicken in my life. And, and one of them didn't quite get strangled <laughs> I enough. I strangle any chicken. And he just, like, popped yeah. up. And you, of,
3: yeah. Do you think that was a reference, or are we just reading into it now from our modern, pervy <laughs> perspective?
2: I...
0: I mean, you think that was a know, reading a little bit about the the. <laughs> it's like choking the, the chicken. Yeah, strangling the chicken. That's oh, like, I need to go. To, like, I, give in me the ten beginning. minutes. I need to go
2: strangle the chicken. That's a lie. I never strangled a chicken in my life. Damn it! But there's a brilliant scene in the beginning that I was struggling with. You know, it seemed like it would only be a modern reference. Where they are, they right after the murder, they're both very close together. He pulls out the champagne. Yeah. and they're they no, no, no that popping, was explicit. Popping the yeah. champagne. Yeah, that was
0: explicit. <laughs> and the wake and he shot it so right. that it would be that.
2: Yeah, I mean it looks like they're 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 both holding like a the champagne bottle kind of, very close up and 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 it pops and it's 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 like a bad Austin yeah. Powers sort of, you know, train going yeah. into the tunnel.
3: It it seems like almost a little over the top now. He said like Austin Powers yeah. like
2: <laughs> and you can't blame a director for in 1948 right. inserting references that maybe o- only like the the people only the privileged <laughs> exactly. get his references. We got to take like a Strauss, like a Straussian reading of Hitchcock. (laughs) I just want to trademark Chicken Strangler.
0: That's a lie. I never strangled a chicken in my life. All right, let's 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 take a break (laughs) um, and come back and talk about the the philosophy and psychology behind this. Sounds good because I think there's a lot of interesting things. Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. We are here with film scholar Yoel Inbar from the University of Toronto. Yes. Hitchcock expert. Uh-huh. Are you AOS Hitchcock? Yes, uh-huh, that's uh, Yeah, if,
3: if you had read my CV, you would have seen that, actually. Yeah, like oh.
0: Truffaut and Yoel <laughs> yeah. Inbar. So um, let's talk about some of the, the, the philosophy. Behind this, we joked about in a couple of our episodes that when you teach ethics and you come across skeptical or nihilist views, a kid will raise their hand and say, Well, if there's no objective morality, why don't I just go kill somebody? Why don't I just go on a killing spree? Why is that your why would that be the thing that you want to do now that there's no objective morality? Why not? You know, dude, do you want to go on a killing spree? Like is that the thing that
2: is 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 just the thought that it's wrong the only thing stopping you from going on a killing spree? Right. It is not like, it's not like recognizing that there is no objective morality will suddenly also make the, your actions consequence-free. <laughs> you might still get caught right. and go to jail. People are fond of saying this all but, the time. But, but so
0: this. this is a movie where somebody actually seems to take that general thought and use it as a motivation to actually go and, and, and kill somebody – that they have no other reason to want to kill right there's nothing they have nothing against this david guy they want to kill because they are inspired by this ubermensch philosophy of of friedrich nietzsche none of us are nietzsche experts like yoel is a hitchcock expert but but what do you guys know of about- almost nothing
3: <laughs> A very little. I mean, I, I know Nazis. To that, part. that's uh,
0: <laughs> right.
3: That's the association.
0: Yeah. That's a very unfair uh, association with Nietzsche. For example, Nietzsche was very not anti-Semitic, and in fact, got very angry at his sister's husband, who was a big German anti-Semite. Here's what I understand about Nietzsche. He is critical of conventional morality, and and specifically the morality that is inspired by Christian principles and also the values of the Enlightenment, of Western liberalism. He he criticized it, genealogy of morals, he presents a kind of debunking story for that kind of morality, and he does have this idea that this ubermensch is somebody who will create their own value system, and not be restricted by the slave morality that's a a legacy of Christianity. Christianity, Christianity. You know, that the the humble will inherit the earth. Uh And he thought that got in the way of Um, true excellence. Conventional morality was an obstacle to that.
2: And so here's what, I mean, it does sound a little bit like, you know, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet then. I'm not sure what, what part of morality you... So, first of all, what it means to transcend something like morality writ large. Like, what is it that's being held back here and... and
3: Right. So, there's one way to read what you just said that would seem like totally un- uncontroversial to us, which is that, like, there are many elements of end of the 19th century sort of bourgeois morality that now we think are totally ridiculous, right? So... Right. If that's the argument, then I think that many people would say, yeah, you know, right on. Like, don't let, uh, let's say, sexual morality of that time. We've basically decided that, like, that's not worth adhering to anymore.
0: Sure, and that's that's a good example. That's a good analogy, I think. I mean, it's not, certainly not the only thing that Nietzsche thought was an unfortunate legacy of Christian principles.
2: Right. Maybe the the turn-the-other-cheek philosophy that, that Malcolm X so— Sort of threw in in Martin Luther King's face as being nothing but keeping keeping slavery going by preventing preventing the oppressed from truly acting you know in in their best interest because they just believed that they weren't allowed to.
0: Great example, and also I think it, accurate to something that Nietzsche was scornful of. Is this turn your always turn the other cheek? At the same time, he was a free will skeptic, denied. He thought it was based on a kind of incoherence that you could self-create yourself. I mean, this is what's sort of interesting about him. On the one hand, he denied this idea that we can be self-caused. But on the other hand, the kind of human being that he wanted to develop was somebody that would— create themselves in a, in a certain sense, not in maybe the logically incoherent sense, but who will not be held back by these norms that are there for historical reasons, but that may not be enabling them to achieve their true a- excellence.
2: I mean, the kindest interpretation I can make of this is that human beings ought to discover that it is not a rejection of any value, it, but rather that you should not just simply inherit the morals of society. That's right. You should create them through, you know...
3: Did he make kind of a positive argument about the sort of morality that we should have if we're going to toss out sort of conventional or religious morality? Did he say, what should we replace it with?
0: To some extent, yes. But I think it's very controversial, exactly what it was. It does involve, the, I think, two elements. One is... This kind of achieving a full human potential and not being held back by these inherited value system. And the other involves embracing your fate. And this is the idea of eternal recurrence. like To live a life that you would be happy to live over and over forever. I mean, in this way, it's actually, I think, that it has some Buddhist or maybe Groundhog Day-like <laughs> uh, associations. Exactly. Like right. this, like, <laughs> that th- if, if this was going to be your life, that you would be ex- happy, you would embrace living that over and over again. That should be your sort of guiding principle.
2: So here's, I think, the, the question and the puzzle for for this movie, the claims of the movie, and even maybe – the claims of the people who, who inspired the movie Leopold and Loeb, which is that I'm not sure that this is really the motivation for the murder. I mean, and, and if it really is, then I, then I don't know what to make of these people psychologically.
0: Yeah, so one thing that M- Nietzsche's positive morality is not is you should now go and kill people. There's nothing... <laughs> th- not only did Nietzsche not say that, but I don't see how it follows in any way from this idea that what you need to do is murder somebody, prove your superiority through that means. At best, you know, his anti-realism about morality, his rejection of objective morality, it can say that doing that isn't objectively forbidden because nothing is, but the positive endorsement of that idea, I don't see how it follows in any way from, from the Nietzsche's mad ethics or his, whatever his positive morality is. It's not that.
3: Would it be fair to say that this emphasis on uh, developing yourself, developing your own full potential, like self-actualizing, that that could make you sort of callous or indifferent to other people's needs? Like, so my primary... Mission in life is to be sort of the the best realization of myself that I can be. And if that has bad consequences for you, well, that just sucks for you.
0: Except that you're a social being that has empathy for other people. And there's no reason to think that the best version of yourself wouldn't continue to have empathy for other people and, that, and, and wouldn't want to maintain social relations with other people. You could think that that's going to be what constitutes the best version of yourself is that you recognize these parts of yourself. There's no reason to reject those parts of yourself
3: Uh, uh, because they're parts of yourself. Yeah, no, I I guess. So does he talk about the famous example of what was the French painter Gauguin? Was that the, is this the famous guy who, you know, uh, ditched his family to move to Tahiti to paint, right? Yeah. And it seems to me that like there's a, a philosophy that says we should unreservedly be enthusiastic about somebody choosing to do that. It it, it seems like at least, you know, if you're going to do it, maybe that was all things considered the right choice to abandon your family, to pursue your art, but you should at least feel kind of bad about it.
2: I feel like your paintings should be better
0: than that. (laughs) Well, no. So I think Nietzsche was writing before Gauguin. Um, The Gauguin case is interesting. So his family was, and his family responsibilities At least this is the way the story is told. We're getting in the way of him achieving his full realization as a painter. And so he needed to leave them and leave them in bad circumstances because they had no money, they had no uh, means of supporting themselves. And yeah, he goes to Tahiti and does achieve greatness there as a painter. I think the majority of his most famous paintings were painted while he was there. But that's Gauguin.
2: Right, that wouldn't be my <laughs> no. But but what it can al- it might allow for is just like how many shitty versions of Gauguin did that? Like without you know, even if it doesn't require that people do anything as monstrous as as murdering or uh, you know leaving their family March. in yeah. tatters. A philosophy that doesn't obligate you to do things like not leave your family might be just. This is the whole point of of emphasizing the constraints on sure. on murder, right? And this and is the whole point um, of conventional
0: morality I, in general to stop you from doing yeah. these things and even sexual norms, right? Sex- yeah, you well. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Free Love. Let's just
2: all Listen, Have sex with everybody. One
3: ground rule for me appearing on this podcast: we discussed this.
2: <laughs> Here's the claim about these guys that I think that that I I find interesting. That you might view one interpretation of what they're doing is that they are adopting maybe perhaps a wrong view of Nietzsche, but say a view that says something like, um, uh, "I will build my own values unconstrained by convention." conventional morality and what that might allow me to do is is do whatever i think might you know sort of help me a- achieve my my whatever maximum potential as a human being and that they at least brandon kills somebody for the same reason that a mountain climber would climb mount everest right, right? So, he- because he can't
0: so that was his <laughs> art form right
2: yeah and so what they're they'd be saying is like this this is going to be just something that dis, like i am allowed to do this i don't have to by any means but let's do let's do this perfect murder because it is like any other art form you might be constrained by by doing art that doesn't harm anybody but i don't need to be and so one reading of what they're doing is on the strictly like a strictly rational one where they just because they just can they they actually do it and that that would be a different reading than the psychopath who sort of instrumentally kills or even kills for shits and giggles uh, if they're like a serial killer or or, or a, uh, a sadist. These guys don't seem to be that, No, they're
0: doing it to prove a theoretical right? point. But I don't know what the theoretical point is. If their point <laughs> is we were born to be murderers like Gauguin was born to be a painter, that really – In retrospect, anyway, we can say that, yeah, Gauguin, was he had potential for greatness in his painting. If they think that they're like that about being murderers, then maybe the the sort of Nietzschean idea allows them to do that. But there's no reason to think that they are the Gauguin of murderers. Certainly not Philip, right? He's definitely not. He's like the uh, my like my daughter, is to painting. He <laughs> is to murder. It's like he can't hold himself together <laughs> like an elephant for, with a paintbrush. like a second. <laughs> like he, I mean, he's, he's terrible at it. And like I said, this is why I think it's interesting that Brandon cracks at certain key moments is that I don't think he was born to do this either. And I'm not, I don't know if, I, I, I'm not sure if anybody is except, you know, maybe like Hannibal Lecter or something like that. I, I don't think that they thought that that was what they were put on this earth to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So, so What, I, what yeah. about the actual case that inspired the film where it did, right. Leopold and Loeb did claim that that was one of the reasons that they killed, right? So was are they wrong? Are they lying? I, the
0: reason. What I think that? it's I, – I mean I, I don't – The reason. I mean they, it might have been – but it seems like a misreading or just like a, they're making a philosophical mistake in thinking that this was something that they had positive reason to do.
2: Mm. So that so that might be right. I actually think so so suppose they were making a philosophical mistake though. I I find it less interesting to say that they misread Nietzsche and were motivated by some wrong idea. Um not less interesting. I I I just don't think that they actually were motivated by that. So I think that um, for at least in this movie, it's much more simple than that. You have some Brandon who could be read as just a psychopath, just a straight up psychopath, somebody who's just not apparently not at all moved by the suffering of others. And it's not inconsistent that he loses it at times because psychopaths don't want to be, but popular. what about his I mean, need to impress
0: the Jimmy Stewart character? Is that something that's compatible with the second? Nar-
2: maybe you know. I don't think it's incompatible. It's just profoundly oh. narcissistic. I I think that you know this is this is the way in which narcissists might work. They want to be recognized, right. and and so you know I, I I do not study psychopaths for a living. This so I don't know what, but but I actually don't think that there is a good answer, maybe even to what it's still fairly mysterious as to what might motivate a psychopath to do the bad thing. I think we understand maybe why they're not constrained by certain emotional responses to harm others, but why some of them go out and seek to, to do the bad right. thing. I guess that's um, it's the a key question. Mysterious. What's
0: the positive motivation? We right. get that there's not the normal constraints that right. having empathy would, would provide, but what, what makes you want to do that rather than just do crossword puzzles? Right.
3: Yeah. I, I, so obviously I'm not a, a psychopath expert either, but uh, from what I've read, one of the things that's sort of surprising is that uh, they will often do things that are just like instrumentally just very bad ideas. Yeah. Right. So they, they act kind of stupidly. They'll uh, you know murder somebody for, for their car and then park the car in front of their house. You know, like – Doing stuff that's so like asking to get caught. Right. Um, so it's not like they're just cold, yeah. calculating, self interested. Like they do these strange impulsive things that are that are very risky.
2: Really bad at future yeah. orientation. Yeah,
0: this is the key question. What what was their motivation? The motivation of the characters in this movie of Leopold and Loeb.
2: Right.
0: What would make you want to embark on the project of trying to kill somebody?
2: Well, I, I mean, I think that, that it's usually not that mysterious. It's usually purely instrumental, right? right? The most I think most violence for a psychopath is like, well, look, like I you got in the way of me achieving this local goal, right, okay. and yeah. It may be that, that, that I shove you to the side, but if you keep annoying me, I might stab you. In the same way that for you and I, we, just, we would never think of that as a solution, but we, there are all kinds of things that we might do to, get, to gain an instrumental. Um,
0: okay, so, so setting just, that but but, there's a new but that's not that, the case yeah. for these two boys. The, David Mm-mm. is not in the and way I, of the, any the, goal that, except what? Like, what is their...
2: Well, yeah. so this is, this, this is why I think these people and Leopold, uh, for instance, are, inspire horror and fear in us because that you might have somebody who is, it's, you can kind of understand the stupidity of the psychopath who, who kills someone because they need their car. And that seems like the best way to steal the car. Um, but for someone to just be okay with, And and desire motivated to just kill someone for no reason, like for for zero reason. That's like that's this. I think the stuff that 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 nightmares are made of. And and one one question is if the if such people exist, what the hell are we to make of them? Like I don't even think that 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 person. It's not even psychopathy that's making them do it. I I don't. I don't. I wonder if this is
0: why everybody wants to blame this on Nietzsche. Is because we need to blame it on something. Like we need to find some somebody, some explanation for why Le- a Leopold and Loeb would kill a, a schoolmate of them that they had nothing against. I mean, they why would they do it? Oh, it's because he read Nietzsche. But it's I, I don't think that answers the question because I don't think that nothing in Nietzsche provides any kind of positive motivation to do what Leopold and Loeb did.
2: It just it makes me think that like you know Leopold or or Brandon is just like hey, I'm so random like that's why I did it I'm so, so random ran- you don't know what I'm gonna do I I'm like might I'm murder so you I I'm might I'm like, so go weird. I just killed someone. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's a scary thought that that you could just for zero reason be the victim of a murder well, yeah right it's not you know it's not it's not even the case that that uh, that Brandon seems to take ple, polit- you know he's not like a sadist who is you know gets off on the murder part he just could like it's it's not clear that he wants to keep murdering anybody um it's just all of a sudden he just wants to murder someone do you um, do you detect yeah, any motivation it. in
0: brandon in the movie yoel
3: none really none that makes any sense to me
0: well, what about the? I want to be a great artist, and this is a great work of art. This is a masterpiece. This is my ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. That yeah, you know, putting the inviting the parents over, putting the dead body on the in the you know like in where they're eating. This is a beautiful aesthetic piece of work.
3: Right. Uh, one problem with that is it's. Uh, frustrating to make something so perfect and then not share it with anybody.
0: The, that that's their downfall. And, I, and yeah,
3: it, I do agree that that's yeah. it's. I think we're supposed to think that he is. He wants Jimmy Stewart's character to find out because otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, it's sort of a waste if you've if you haven't shared your achievement with anybody.
2: You know, maybe this is just from from the get go. We know that this this is doomed. Um, as, as, as you say, it's, it's their, their downfall or at least Brandon's downfall. It's unclear what he might have thought would happen. I mean, there's one way in which maybe he would say like, well, what's going to happen is Rupert is going to figure it out and he's going to say like, you know, gives me a right. well done, buddy, for finally yeah. having, yeah, right. Like for having the fucking right. guts to have done what he never could and like having lived up to the philosophy. When in reality, and maybe this is what I want to get to, in reality, Rupert's reaction is just one of horror. Before we uh, before we satisfying. leave
3: this, um, about the idea of, yeah. you know, I want to commit the perfect murder as a work of art. To me, this seems like, cartoon supervillain kind of reasoning, you know, where like they'll, they'll come <laughs> up with stuff like, uh, there's so much suffering in the world. It's better to just kill everybody.
2: Like so, anti-natalism. Right,
3: it's, it, it has like the form of like something that kind of makes sense, but, but nobody actually thinks that. And that's, that's the same right. kind of feeling that I get from this. It's like, yeah, well, okay. You said some things that kind of, I can, they, they have a form of like something, a reasonable justification, but I, I can't imagine the actual person, who would
2: actually truly believe that. Right. I got, I'm got. i going to kill you to, to make copies. <laughs> right. <I> gotta, <laughs> right.
0: Well, I mean, but to their <laughs> credit... So here's one thing that Hitchcock could have done. And in fact, in the British play, it's it's alluded to and almost stated flat out that the Jimmy Stewart character had had an affair with, with one of the students. And so you could paint this as you know like a like a daddy issue he's never given me the respect that i feel i'm due but now he'll know this will prove to him that i am at his level that i am his intellectual equal I can be admitted into this club. Like it's just this burning quest for approval. I mean, they hint at that a couple times with Brandon, just his need for approval. But I don't think they overplay it. But I think that's probably good because I think that it is. This kind of stuff does happen. It has happened, and so, and and part of the thing that's as as Dave said is that it. The thing that scares us is that we can't understand it. We don't understand. There's no theoretical motivation. There's no psychological one that we can relate to.
2: I think it would have been. I I think it would have been. And and I actually hate this about villain movies when you are given the clear answer as to what their motivation was. And it ends up that he was abused by a guy who you know looks like like that guy. And so I think this is maybe an attempt at, at inspiring this, maybe for lack of a better word, awe at the the thought that somebody could. Just do something hor- horrible and monstrous for for no good reason, and I, I think I would have been much more disappointed had they given us a, like a neat and tidy story.
0: Right, the daddy I mean, is it's like then.
2: the it's a Yago, right?
0: It's like you never know why Yago yeah. Yeah. sets all those it's, events in motion, and that's the thing that like is the scariest <laughs> character in all of Shakespeare. I should read that.
2: <laughs> should learn to read. <laughs> I, should, I should read. So let's play so, that last okay, so, clip—the
0: Jimmy Stewart speech.
2: Uh, Jimmy Stewart speech. The,
0: w- yeah, and let's talk about it because I yeah. want to know what you
2: guys think about. It. No, this
3: I thought was clearly the the worst part of the movie for me. Like, just corny, just so corny.
0: We should set uh, it up. This is the speech that Jimmy Stewart gives right after he finds out what they've done.
1: Rupert, please, please, what? Listen to me. Just listen let me explain explain do you think you can explain that yes to you i can because you'll understand understand Rupert. rupert remember the discussion we had before with mr kentley yes. remember we said the lives of inferior beings are unimportant remember we said we've always said you and i that moral concepts of good and evil and, and right and wrong don't hold for the intellectually superior remember rupert that's all philip and i have done He and I have lived what you and I have talked. I knew you would understand because you have to, don't you see? You have to. Brandon, until this very moment, this world and the people in it have always been dark and incomprehensible to me. And I've tried to clear my way with logic and superior intellect. And you've thrown my own words right back in my face, Brandon. You were right, too. If nothing else, a man should stand by his words. But you've given my words a meaning that I never dreamed of. And you've tried to twist them into a cold, logical excuse for your ugly murder. Oh, well, they never were that, Brandon. And you can't make them that. There must have been something deep inside you from the very start that let you do this thing. But there's always been something deep inside me that would never let me do it. And would never let me be a party to it now. What do you mean? I mean that tonight you've made me ashamed of every concept I ever had of superior or inferior beings. And I thank you for that shame. Because now I know that we are each of us a separate human being, Brandon. With the right to live and work and think as individuals. But with an obligation to the society we live in. By what right do you dare say that there's a superior few to which you belong? By what right did you dare decide that that boy in there was inferior and therefore could be killed? Did you think you were God, Brandon? Is that what you thought when you choked the life out of him? Is that what you thought when you served food from his grave? I don't know what you thought or what you are, but I know what you've done, you've murdered! You've strangled
0: the life out of a fellow human being who could live and love as you never could. Yeah, well, actually, you were
3: leading. I w- yep. Yeah, so, and now I've lost
0: my. You said this was the part of the movie you hated. Right, that
3: lost. I okay. did that I didn't like yeah. because it felt corny. It was full on Jimmy Stewart being Mister Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> uh, basically, so he's, like lived this uh, this life of. Intellectual detachment and making clever jokes about murder, and now he's just going to completely do a one eighty and give them a lecture about human dignity. It it just felt really uh, oh. jarring.
2: So there's a there are a couple of reasons that I had to to really dislike the speech. And one is it's Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I, I just don't don't buy it. I, I didn't I didn't buy his character. Too much from from the beginning, and I think another actor could have. Well, you done, know, they done tried to give it to Cary
0: Grant, but because of the gay the to gay subtext, he didn't want to do it because he was getting enough <laughs> shit about that and all
2: the gossip. Uh, yeah, but, I do think off, he but, would have been better. But you can't blame Jimmy Stewart for not being able to do- deliver this in a non Jimmy Stewart uh, uh, way. Then there's there's what what you all just said, which is him doing a 180, which I but. The the part that I really just don't buy is that that he is accepting that he in any way his stupid philosophy is what the cause of the murders was. So he's actually like empowering himself uh, as this professor who did really influence somebody through his philosophy that gave rise to this murder. When I actually think it's bullshit. Nobody if somebody if I were if I were even espousing philosophy like this, I would be just like. You're just a psycho because but that's what he says. Is, it can't possibly he, he says be that. that my philosophy. I, like, I,
0: I'm surprised that you have this reaction because he says that explicitly. He says there must have been something deep inside of you from the very start that let you do this thing, but there's always been something deep inside me that would never let me do it.
2: But that's different. So he's say so he says, uh, He's granting the power of his argument. He's just saying that I had something constraining me from taking my argument to its behavioral. No, conclusion. he didn't say that. And you never he says, had that. You've tried
0: to yeah, twist them, the w- my words, into a cold, logical excuse for your ugly murder. He says, well, they never were that, Brandon. You can't make them that.
2: Except for that, then he says, did what by what right do you dare say there's a superior few to which you belong? By what right do you dare decide that boy there was inferior and therefore could be killed? And he's 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 saying that's exactly what he was saying before. So he's it's he's not saying I was wrong about uh, the philosophy and he's not saying my philosophy couldn't have been what's underlying your murder. He's saying, okay, I was saying that there are superior many and an inferior few, but like what gave you the right to say that you were the superior one and they were the inferior few when I actually think that these just was just a psychopath who at best, then maybe he's inconsistent. He's saying I like uh, my words never meant that, but then he's saying my words were powerful enough. It's just that you chose the wrong superior versus inferior people. Like you put yourself in the category, but that's not denying that there might be some superior people who could murder some inferior people. It's just that who was Brandon to decide well,
3: that? Yeah, no, that I think it, tonight you've made me ashamed of every concept I ever had of superior or inferior beings. So it it does. It's not just like oh no, I the concept is sound. Is that you executed it poorly? It's now I'm taking it all back,
2: which it, it I. It's, it's, I'm taking it back as the 180, but he is saying that, like, but my philosophy did right. cause that. And that's why I'm taking it right. back.
0: Well, yeah. Or at least a misinterpretation of my philosophy caused this. I, I, this is an interesting question, actually. It's like, do you put out a philosophy that can be misinterpreted in a way that will lead to some sort of horribly immoral act that you never intended, right? This is a question that we as professors face all the time, right, you know? And Uh (laughs) I think that is a theme in this movie. It's like we can talk about these things and and sort of laugh in our sophisticated way, but, you know, every once in a while you'll get a Brandon who will take them as an excuse to do this horrible thing. So, I mean, I, I, I see a coherence to what he's saying. I think what he's saying is, look... If you're not a psycho, my words make sense, but they also might provide an excuse for a psycho to do what otherwise he had no excuse to do. That's
2: I'm the less shame. charitable in, in the reading. It's, it sounds incoherent to me because he's saying, I never meant that, but shit, I take back that I meant that. Now I don't mean it anymore uh right and and well, now i'm ashamed of you think of what he I said, really doesn't well he says it but I mean, no he
0: says i'm yeah, ashamed I'll of every concept lines. but he doesn't say it was wrong
2: he says i'm ashamed of it well right. he says but he says correctively because right. now i know that we're he's each of us clearly, he's, so he's say he's correcting his he's philosophy his the
0: right but with an obligation to the society we live in yeah I mean,
3: no i mean it's just so <laughs> that's <heavy> bad
0: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah now yeah right. exactly like uh uh, cause it would be one, it would be one thing if he was like, oh my God, you guys completely misinterpreted my philosophy. Um, and I still meant so, what I said. It's just or, that you or, got it wrong, but here he seems right. to be doing, I, or even yeah. if you,
3: if you thought knowing how easily this can be misinterpreted, misinterpreted, I, I'm not going to say it any longer, right? Like I still believe it to be true, <laughs> yeah, but I really, right. you know, it's too dangerous to put it out there. But he's like, no, no, you, this has caused me to fundamentally reevaluate the rightness of my beliefs.
0: And, uh, right, but then a, he also said that that you've twisted my words. Right, so that you
3: can't a, have both. Right, right. but, are, but here, but consistent. you can,
0: you yeah. can, because you could believe there were inferior and and superior beings, but not that that means the superior beings have a right to kill the inferior beings
2: and murder them in cold blood for no but, reason. But that's what he did. Ex- but that's explicitly what he was espoused. The earlier scenes where he's saying like, yeah, I totally think it's OK. To but I, he was I joking. Mean,
0: that, that was a joke. That was, I think, supposed to be like, uh, oh, here here's an obviously dumb conclusion you could draw from my idea that there
2: are naturally superior and naturally inferior beings. Well, but, but then again, then then if that's really the case, then he's just on firm ground to say I'd never right. meant that, right. I, you know. So the, then what he's saying
0: is, but now tech- what I'm
2: retracting
0: isn't this idea that you can kill people if you're a superior. What I'm retracting is the idea that there even is these— inferior or as superior beings in the first place because I know that we all are individual human beings with dignity and an obligation to the society we live in so he's still retracting something but that's consistent with his original words
2: being misinterpreted the, the, I guess then you know he, he's principle of charity I, he's, <laughs> he's it, it's, it doesn't make so much sense though to say I never meant that, and shit, like... Also, I take it back. I did mean this one thing that you've made me, yeah. (laughs) I take take back what I
0: even did say, but what I did say didn't entail that you
2: could kill somebody. So at best, it's philosophically wussy for taking it back then, right? If you just really say it didn't entail it, like, I should never have told you guys this, then there's no reason to, to, to take back the argument. But he does take back the argument. He is sort of... Shocked into changing a philosophy that doesn't—he does not really require to change in any way—and um and he, you know, he turns into like a good Kantian all of a sudden. Well, yeah, no, uh, that's bad. He <laughs> and the guy, sky- so they, so they, this ends with them getting caught, and then there's the a fairly not that interesting sort of you know scene. Wait, can, which,
0: can we just say one thing they, though? I mean, is yeah. uh, before we leave that 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 scene. I think he's right that there was something deep inside Brandon. And this was Clarence Darrow's point in his defense of Leopold and Loeb trying to get them to not get the death penalty. And, you know, he he gave essentially the Galen Strawson, Dirk Paraboom, free will skepticism argument. He just said, look, what bad luck, essentially, to have whatever little quirk within your personality that you would read Nietzsche... And this is the conclusion that you would draw. Think of all the people that have read Nietzsche and all the people, you know, like nobody goes out and then tries to commit. Isn't uh, isn't that
3: trivially true, though? Isn't that just restating the facts? I mean, all I'm saying is it's not a deep insight about Brandon. It's like most people read Nietzsche or hear uh, like arguments about why it's okay to murder your inferiors and they don't go out and actually kill anybody. And he does. And therefore, there must be something distinctive about him.
0: But the additional point was yeah. whatever it was that that made Brandon what he is, or, or or Leopold and Loeb what they were, is not something that was up to them or you know within their control. Yeah, no, it's not a deep
2: point. It's an argument that's been made, but it's not even a shallow point. It's a t- it's like I think what, what you're all saying is it's a tautological one. I mean, the, what what is the alternative of there being something in Brandon that made him kill? We're
3: yeah. getting confused a little bit between. The uh, Clarence Darrow arguments at trial and uh, the speech in the, the movie, whereas, movie. Yeah. whereas the, J- Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart's, Stewart's speech yeah. does not oh, yeah, sound sorry. like he's yeah. excusing them on, on the not basis at of a critique yeah. of free will, right?
0: That's right. Sorry. It was leaping off that question of there is something deep inside you that would – Make you do that, and I there's not something deep inside me that would allow me to do that, no matter what a teacher had told me, mm-hmm. or no matter what I theoretically believed.
3: I, yeah, I guess what's interesting is that like you can say that and mean two entirely different things about the extent to which you find the person to be morally responsible. Right, so the right, way I, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. That I, yeah,
3: I, yeah and and Jimmy, Jimmy sure. Stewart seems to be saying exactly the opposite of what Clarence Darrow was saying. By stating the same fact.
0: I think it's be- – he, right. You're evil. Yeah, you're, you're evil. evil. So you must exactly. Be evil. That's what Remember. I got from that. Or yeah. you're broken though. I think it
2: could be both. Like well, I think – I don't think you can well, get I it from Jimmy this. think that Jimmy Stewart thinks that they're evil. I think Jimmy Stewart thinks I, I, they're evil. I think his his attitude of condemnation is clearly like you're monsters, right? Yeah, but I mean, so so does
0: Darrow think that they're like – because they are. They did this thing. But I think Darrow's point is they're broken. It's not their fault that they're like this. Jimmy Stewart, I think, could be saying they're evil and they made the free choice to be evil or that they're also just – they're malfunctioning human beings.
2: Well, I I don't think that his attitude is consistent with any any acceptance of – of lack of responsibility, right? I mean, you're right that you you don't, you could use the term moral monster to mean somebody who was determined. But I think it's pretty clear that what Jimmy Stewart is at least trying to express in this at the end is pure condemnation. And I think that in a lay sense, that condemnation is just, you know, he's saying he is not, this would not be something that would be used as a defense speech, for closing you know the, the closing <laughs>
3: one thing no. that i um still was curious what you guys thought about was like what's the extent to which you're liable for misinterpretation as
0: a philosopher
3: <laughs> right so like i, I, yeah. I you, you know, guys
0: teach some of this
2: stuff too so I, I,
3: all right all right throw it off um, I, I'm, I'm I don't there. know well you know
2: i was just i was just Thinking about yeah. like in my last class period teaching uh, the emotion and morality stuff and, and I was challenging them to defend why zoophilia was wrong and, and, and thinking that maybe like somebody actually might go and actually like fuck their dog <laughs> because they were convinced. Right. There was, there was something in you that
0: wanted to fuck your dog. Right. You've twisted my words <laughs> right. out of their all. <laughs> the Unless Guinness I had like me. six peers. Right. You did it sober, you monster.
3: Right, right. So imagine you do the Mark and Julie sibling incest example, and uh, somebody <laughs> comes back the next week and is like, you know, you really convinced me, Professor. I, I am going to hook up with my sister.
2: Right. right. No, here's the, uh, here's the, no, here's the best. Like, they invite you to a party. Uh, and with their parents and everything, and they slowly reveal <laughs> to you that they had sex with their sister, and like looking to you to be proud right, <laughs> right. and then you come back and like catch them in the act, and you're like, what no, you 're like
0: no, and you 're being all kind of like do- telling the Julian Mark story at the party, and everybody comes up with their objections, <laughs> yeah. and you play devil 's advocate and they are and they 're all like, yeah, exactly like there 's nothing wrong with it." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's a good question, right? Uh, I, I've gotten emails, you know, when I was back in my free will skeptic days. That definitely, I think, showed in my teaching, and it, and I, and I used to get emails from former students saying that this really influenced them, but it was usually in a good way. <laughs> you know, that they're much, they always were really resentful of their father or something like that. And now they've learned to chill out and be more relaxed and it's been really helpful in their job or something like that. It was never, now that I realized I wasn't morally responsible, I figured I could just (laughs) kill that, you know, little puppy, you (laughs) know, and like,
2: because I don't think that's the normal human response to these kinds of views. And here's what I wanted to bring up actually earlier when uh, that's related to this. Um, the speech go- says, there must have been something deep inside of you from the very start. And we've talked about the possibility that this is why at the end, he's not a normal person. And that's why he was able to take these arguments because at a fundamental level, like this was just a, he's a broken human being or he's evil, like those two options. But really, I think One of the reasons that I realize I don't like this speech is because the scarier, the much scarier conclusion to me is that there is not anything deep inside of him that made him do this. Is something just very shallow that, in fact, like just for trivial reasons, he was convinced temporarily by this argument and it made him just like, I'll go do this because it's easier to say. Oh, like this person was genetically just broken or their biology is different from ours, or they chose evil in a way that only a monster right. would. But what if just in the moment he's like, even if he just, if he planned it, but it was nothing deep that in no other way has he deferred. Sort of like so in, like, like in the Milgram or Stanford prison
0: experiment, except that the situation yeah. is reading text. Jimmy
3: Stewart is just that convincing. Yeah. That's what makes this. this yeah. So unsatisfying is like, He's sort of Weasley in, in two ways that yeah. are like logically incompatible. I think it would be a lot ballsier right. if he were like, I really blame myself because you were a normal kid and I convinced you to murder. That's right. cool. Right. But yeah, both like, yeah, I retracted like John, my views and- Your honor, I should be tried <laughs> right. for this. It's
0: just not plausible just to read real- this like a situationist because, you know, like the whole point of situationism is he put somebody in this situation- and they're li- more likely than not to act in this way. Whereas for every, you know, 10 million people that read Nietzsche, right. this happens once.
2: In. Yeah, you're right. right. No, that's totally so. true. But, but that's and that's why I think that I actually don't mean situationism. I, I don't mean that it was the pressure of the situation that caused Brandon to act this way. I mean that quite literally he could have formulated a reason in the moment to murder mm-hmm that was unlike any reasons that he's had or motivations that he's had before. He just decides to do it one day. Like he's, you know, he's just like, hey, you know, like, let me try out this murder thing just this once. And so it's not that there was a pressure of the situation or the undue influence of the professor, but rather he actually internally generated a motivation and a reason to act in a morally monstrous way he never does it again. Like the Mark and Julie story. They decide never <laughs> to do it again. It's That's part of what's so weird about that story is that just one day they decided to fuck and then like they never do it again. Because you want to have some story about how like he's he was always motivated to do, be violent or, you know, he was sort of broken or he was, you know, boys from Brazil sort of conditioned or pressured somehow. But no, what if just... Today, I'll buy a Charleston chew. I haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, and then later on, I'll strangle a, a child because I haven't done that either.
0: I, I guess I, it doesn't seem psychologically plausible to me because of how much planning and deliberation – The whole thing took what worries me because I'm always like biking to school is if somebody just on a whim just decides, you know what? Fuck this guy. I think I read this in a novel and just decides to like sideswipe into me to kill me like while they're driving, you know, but to go through the the planning of the murder and then the planning of the party and
2: all of that, it just
0: doesn't seem like it could be that much of a whim. There's maybe
2: I I, yeah, Sorry. And I don't mean whim then either. Like, I mean a reason and perhaps even a deliberation for some time, like the Mark and Julie story where like they weren't caught up in lust. Um, they just decided one day to <laughs> right. do it. And so, and, and I think that's what's scary about Leopold is like, he decided just to do this and maybe it took a week of planning and, and, but he'd never done it before. There's no indication of like a, I mean, I don't know about Leopold specifically, but the possibility that there might be no indication beforehand that somebody is capable of this or they, they want to do this. And then one day they just have instantiate this desire and the motivation and, and the reason to do it. And then they just go and back to And that sets normal. it all in motion. Just because yeah. they could. Right. That, and that would be super scary because we can't pinpoint a cause.
3: In the end, the like idea that like, well, some people are monsters. I mean, in a in a way that's scary because, it, well, you might not know. Maybe it's not obvious, but you have some chance of finding out, right? Whereas it's much scarier to think like, well, anybody could just like on a whim be like, hey, you know, what, murder. I mean, I don't believe that's true, anyway, yeah. but that would be frightening
2: It's hard to know, you know, like some of these school shootings uh you know or these these you we want to spin a story and that we want a story that will allow us to preemptively distinguish the people who are likely to commit murder, um but it's also very possible that in some cases somebody has a temporary desire instantiated in them to commit murder, and that i you know it may be implausible and untrue.
0: You know, it's that. funny. I've I, never I thought about be. Julie and Mark and just that line where one day they decided <laughs> that it would be fun. What? Like, who <laughs> yeah. decides it would be fun to have sex? That's not how it works, right? <laughs> 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 you, it's not
3: you know an what? intellectual decision.
0: You you're me. right? <laughs>
2: Why are we we doing
0: this? Why why are
3: we doing this? Yeah, there's this uh, (laughs) – there's a researcher at uh, the University of Pennsylvania, Ed Roisman. David, Uh you probably know him.
2: Great work. I love his work. He's
3: a brilliant guy and just a super interesting character and he objects to this uh, scenario partly on the basis of he thinks people aren't really buying the premise, that they're sort of going along with the premise in order to be nice or because of conversational norms But that there's there's stuff about that about uh the premise that they really don't believe in. One of the things he says that they're very skeptical about is that they decide to never do it again. So it just seems implausible that you would just decide to do this once <laughs> and then never again.
0: Once you go in, <laughs> you don't go back. Uh. <laughs> this <sweetest> is yeah. meat. <laughs> uh, but what I've never questioned is that I I don't know why cuz now just after Dave was saying that about murder, it it's like which also doesn't seem psychologically plausible to me. Just the decision that it would be fun to have sex, to mutual. I, re- I guess I can't relate to that. Like I've never decided it would be fun to have sex with somebody. Sort of mutually agreed upon sex, and then we just start having sex. Like oh, you, have, have non consensual sex. You only have no, non consensual I mean, it's, it's obviously, but it's like it's not it's not reasoned
2: out. It's not right, right, right. One day they decided, it's not like going to the beach, like on the first day of spring or something, you know.
3: What should we do today? Should we go to the movies Uh, uh, or
2: uh, should we maybe fuck? I I don't know. Let's strangle a chicken.
1: That's a lie. I never strangled a chicken in my life.
0: My chicken feels pretty strangled right now, actually. It's all this
2: incest talk.
1: That's a lie. I never strangled a chicken in my life.
2: Um... Maybe we should just say they get caught, there's a there's a struggle, there's a gun. The gun thing out. is also totally you know. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not the strong point of the movie. Ding. Can
0: we just it talk about amazing. the Philip character? The choice to just make him slowly descend into just being a total mess, is that a choice that has the- some sort of importance or what?
2: I You mean just to get sloppy and... Lose well, he's the just shit?
0: slowly... It is a sort of progression. Like, at first, he's just a little nervous. Then there's that scene where he's playing the piano, except that he's clearly not playing the piano. <laughs> he's yeah. just like... He's, the keys are barely going down. There's also a scene... Eliza noticed this. This is probably the one-take thing where he cuts his hand. Yeah. Like, Two minutes later, his hand is completely healed. There's no right. blood. There's no bandage. There's no nothing. Yeah,
2: to make a continuity continuity error in a continuous shot <laughs> yeah, the Right, right. Thing. So, yeah. uh,
0: but then like, but then just to get him to a point where he's just drunk and sloppy, like, why?
2: I take it that this was, this was supposed to be some attempt to show that it was actually Brandon. Who was the driving force, and that the only reason Philip was doing it was Philip here is kind of the victim i mean he's obviously love struck and has guilt immediately But, but there's
0: not something deep inside Philip, maybe that's
2: yeah exactly there's except for Brandon. <laughs> yeah.
0: I wonder if that was even a reference. <laughs> then deep
3: inside that's, of you uh, and then there's uh, obviously like you know just plot reasons. That he needs to get nervous and give stuff away. If they're both too calm and collected,
0: then they don't get discovered. Right.
2: right? right. It's, it's tension-adding. Like, how can you let that yeah. rope show? Like, right. how can you possibly... You know, it's exactly.
0: funny. I, I'm liking this movie less. It, as opposed to the other movies, and Unforgiven being the prime example, where I like it more... Breaking it down, like I'm liking this movie a lot less than I liked it while I was watching it, which was a lot, you know. But I think probably that's because so much of its quality is based in how in the in the shooting of it,
3: right? The visual style and the, the feeling, and, like the feeling of tension.
2: Yeah it's a it's a great it's a great yeah. tension builder in in, in, the, in the in the truest Hitchcock sense. But it does rely on this particular just point about some somebody kind of non-violently, I mean, sorry, non-instrumentally committing, uh, you know, this, this huge act of violence and, and justifying it. But that's the, and in order to tell that story, right, you kind of have to convince us that that could happen. And maybe the failure is in never believing that what we're supposed to believe happened, which is Jimmy Stewart's philosophy really somehow got to Brandon. That never really is convincing and Jimmy Stewart's claim later on that there must be something deeply inside Brandon that's that's wrong with him is also n- never fully no. developed. And
0: the sort of right. hints at he's doing this for approval also isn't fully developed. But again, we were saying this could be a strength, right? Like the scariest thing is when you yeah. don't have a good explanation.
2: Right. And that's why I think that that the speech at the end kind of takes yeah. away from it because – what he should react—the proper reaction—is like, holy shit! Somebody could pr- do this, like not you're not sort of your moral monster. There's something so deeply wrong with you. But almost right. silence. At uh, you know, I don't know how you could end it, trying to communicate right. that, just, well, like,
0: I, I know, that. I wonder if that was
2: like know. not their
0: choice, like not an artistic choice, but a producer stepping in and saying, "Look, yeah, we need maybe, a, or,
3: or maybe a code thing because it does. It's sort of threatening." in a few ways of how can a person who seems otherwise normal decide to do this? And is it really that this philosophy, which is, uh, you know, espoused by this, like, smart, charming guy, like, could it really be interpreted to mean that this is okay? And then they just step in at the end and they're like, okay, let me just explain. This guy was evil and these <laughs> these beliefs are wrong. <laughs> just so we're all on the same page. End of
0: movie. Right. I don't think it's a code right. thing, though, because there were plenty of bleak message movies out at that time. Like, the code was pretty s- focused on sex. Think of The Third Man. There's no affirming of positive values in that movie.
3: Well, you know? although right the bad the guy point. gets his in the end. They Provision, could still like
0: he- get theirs without Jimmy Stewart, like, all of a sudden becoming, like, a champion of <laughs> right. of, of Western of human
2: rights, Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And obligations yeah. uh, to society. Uh,
2: I used to not believe in Jesus, but now I have to. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and we're uh, all and yeah. we all like women. <laughs> <Yeah>. like I, <laughs> we all
2: like women. I'm surprised they just <laughs> didn't blame it on on like the gay
0: part. Right. Well, that
3: would have had then they would have had to acknowledge that uh, people are gay, which uh, that's out of
2: bounds. That's right. Nothing to see here.
0: <laughs> you know, married people couldn't be in the same bed, and if like they couldn't share the same bed, if they. Yeah. Were even just on the same bed. One of them had to have like their foot on the
2: floor or something. Yeah, no, I remember this from Ricky and Lucy episode. <laughs> um, they at the beginning they used to have have separate But what beds, but what like, morality
0: is it that doesn't allow husbands and wives to have sex? The, I, I don't. I'm not familiar with with that morality.
2: Because presumably kids would see their own parents sharing one bed, um, so it's not right. It's not going to blow
3: bed. their minds. Uh,
2: let's let's okay. wrap this up.
3: <laughs>
0: All right. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I think this movie is very worth seeing. That's all I wanted to say by that is that I do think this movie is worth seeing and I hope people will see it.
3: Yep. We've been critical, but it's, it's I agree. I'm glad that I watched it. Um, it. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. It's just so well made.
0: And the other so thing I would say no is, we've had somebody posted on our Facebook page that we should do an episode on nihilism. I think between this episode and I think it was episode 10 um, about the meaning of life, between that, this episode, and maybe episode three, you have your nihilism episodes.
2: Next time, we'll do the Big Lebowski then. Could we do the a whole podcast about The Big Lebowski? <laughs> there's no, there's nothing. There's nothing. That movie's nothing. It's it's a great movie, but it's not it's about nothing. That's my
3: I don't know, I'm less convinced. I think maybe we could.
2: Yeah, I know. So Tablet. I think we could like about uh,
0: tie it with like human vir- virtue and flourishing.
2: Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, until the next movie episode.
0: Man. All right, thanks, Yo, guys. I think- it's been fun. You bought yourself another movie episode. Good I'm job. I'm so glad yeah. to hear that. <laughs>
1: you're a very bad man
0: i'm a very good man just a very bad wizard